to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. If you were on Twitch, you would be watching this, but you're not. You're listening later. I mean, you'll know if you were there. <laughs> Something awful is about to happen. I can feel it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a Greatest Trek Twitch account. And when we, uh, what we're going to do today, Adam, is open some packages... It's a code forty-seven, and uh, and when we do these, we we stream them on Twitch often on Fridays. So uh, if yeah. you're interested in watching along as we do these, um, keep an eye on our social medias and our Twitch page, and uh, maybe you can catch us live on the internet. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code forty-seven. Verify. It is code forty-seven, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Boy, I gave myself a really heavy float on my uh, daiquiri, Ben. Oh, really? <laughs> Have you ever had a drink just descend upon you, like, a third of the way through? You just start to feel it? I, um, it's happening to me right now. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. You're coming up as we, as we head into this mailbag segment. It's um, perfect timing. I, I have a very vivid memory of being in high school and not being a drinker yet and having a friend describe that phenomenon to me and, and trying to imagine what it was like. But now I know. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I've famously never been able to time anything right. <laughs> but it looks like it's happening here on the show. Ben, uh, tell me about the first package you're going to open. Okay, so the first one we've got here is from Benjamin H. in Manassas Park, Virginia. I'm guessing no relation. I'm I'm omitting the last name, uh, but it's not Harris. <laughs> this is a real like primer time travel situation. Yeah, <laughs> where where you've sent something to yourself on the show. What Benjamin has sent is some uh, some comic books. Some Marvel presents Paramount Comics. We've got three different Star Trek Starfleet Academy comic books here. You know what? One of those Starfleet Academy comics was referred to in an episode of Lower Decks, the one where Mariner works out Oh yeah, on that Reliant-class ship. Right. That ship is from one of those comics. The McDuff? Is that it? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. The McDuff is in there. Wow. Yeah. You guys think I'm just all dick joke and no Star Trek trivia? I didn't have to look that up. I knew. How did you know? I'm an expert. I get invited places to talk about Star Trek. I drive a Dodge Stratus! Card Daddy says in the chat that, that those comics are Nog-heavy, if you're a fan of Nog. Oh, yeah. I did see a Ferengi in there, but I wasn't sure if it was Nog or not. All right. I'm going to open my next package. It's from Lynn S. Came all the way from Edinburgh. It's got Royal Mail... Uh, <laughs> Royal that? Mail postage on, on here The postage cost is in pounds, Adam Pounds sterling I almost don't want to ask how expensive it was to ship But I am curious How much does it cost to, to mail a flat pack From Edinburgh to you In uh, pounds It was more than 10 and less, t- less than 15 squid Alright Alright, opening 
package. Dear Ben and Adam and Robs and Bill, please find enclosed three items. First item, the program from my very first con, which featured one of the first UK showings of Voyager. It's signed by Doctor Who, and I've never been able to work out what the dedication says. Uh, Second item, the front part of a comm badge I bought at the same comm. Sorry, the batteries in the pack leaked and wrecked the back bit. Oh, no. It used to make the noise. Wow. My dad was super (laughs) mad at me because he thought it cost too much. These traumas are now yours, I guess. Thanks for all you do, Lynn in Edinburgh. P.S. A typed letter seemed like I care less than if I'd handwritten one, but it shows I care more because my handwriting is terrible. Probably a doctor. One of my uh, favorite sci-fi authors, Ian M. Banks, is Scottish, and I love reading his books and imagining all the characters speaking in Scottish accents. And I just read Lynn's letter, and I I didn't do a Scottish accent because I knew I wouldn't do it good enough for air. But uh, You do a great accent, Ben. All your accents are spot on. Much better than my trash accents, which are humiliating for me (laughs) and insulting to everyone else. Uh, Adam, this next one, uh, this may get edited out of the show. I'm not sure. But uh, this one is from Mackenzie in North Hollywood, and it's just to Adam Pranica. So up to you whether I open this or not, or should I save it? Open it on the show, and we can cut it out of the recorded podcast if we have to. See, this is the advantage of coming to the Twitch. Yeah. You might see something that got cut out. Uh, It says, Dear Adam and Ben, I first came across your podcast in 2018, the month before I moved to L.A. My goal was slash is to try and hack it as a screenwriter, perhaps even one day to work on a Star Trek property. It was as if I had unearthed a giant temple full of chill hangs where time was irrelevant. The two of you were there for me every step of the way as I went through a disruptive vortex of moving halfway across the country, resettling in a strange place, and going through the unnerving process of making all new friends. But I felt a little more meant to be because these two funny Star Trek guys were also moving to L.A. at the same time as I was. Now you may open the gift. Temba, his arms open. Oh my god, it's gift-wrapped, Adam. Look at this- that. Hey, are those melons on there? These are, uh, yeah, these are melons. Everybody knows what a, what the core of a melon looks like. Uh, oh, it's the Neelix cookbook. Hey, can you turn that to its side? I want to see how thick that is. That is a thick daddy. That is way too thick. Way too thick. <laughs> it would be hard to make any cookbook thicker than this. This is, this is like, like yeah. the only cookbooks thicker than, than this are like the joy of cooking level cookbooks (laughs) that are just like encyclopedias of all food the thing that's so traumatizing about the joy of cooking book is how much body hair is drawn onto the people (laughs) in the in the pictures it's kind of a lot it does not make me hungry it's a very weird book you want to know the uh the recipe for the picard cocktail i sure do we should make that next time no, we shouldn't. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, lay it on me. Eight ounces fresh spring water, one ounce Grand Marnier liqueur, one teaspoon Earl Grey tea leaves. What the fuck is that? That is shitty. That's barely a drink, much less a cocktail. Definitely not a cocktail. That's something that I would drink after after playing a half of pickup basketball, like just as a as a quencher. Yeah. 
What the hell is that? Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, well, thank you so much, Mackenzie. Thanks for the effort, Mackenzie, but no thank you to that gift. <laughs> Do not no, want... No, there's good stuff in there, too. There, Some of the recipes are good. You read the water recipe, Ben. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a good recipe. God damn it. There are people talking about Frakes Barbecue in this book. A number of people. Oh, Frakes okay. Barbecue, they say. Is there, Frakes, that's is a, there that? No way. Jonathan Frakes Barbecue Marinade. Okay. Two pounds of chicken pieces, pork spare ribs, beef short ribs, or baby back ribs, one fresh lemon, virgin olive oil, soy sauce, or light soy sauce, and fresh coarsely ground pepper. In a deep dish or covered pot, cover the meat with the... Olive oil, drizzle the mixture with soy sauce, squeeze the juice of a fresh lemon into the mixture, grind in the pepper, flip the meat, and grind more pepper. Cover and let sit for three hours at room temperature or overnight in your refrigerator. Barbecue, your favorite way, serves four to six. I mean, that really leaves a lot up to the reader there (laughs) as far as barbecue, your favorite way. (laughs) What is that? Well, listen to this. Alfre Woodard shared this recipe with Jonathan Frakes, and then he says, actually, I stole it. So You know what? I'm tired of things being stolen from Alfre Woodard. Yeah, like her opportunity to make first contact with the Vulcans. Yeah, exactly. What the hell, Frakes? That's two strikes now. You know what? There's something for you to talk to him about. <laughs> Were you to be seated next to him on an aircraft? Hey, uh, so what do you do for work? And then you get to that. Anyway, what's your favorite barbecue recipe? <laughs> All right, Adam, our next package is from Julie M. in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Just to Ben and Adam, another international package. Wow. Uh, here's uh, Julie's letter. Dear Ben and Adam, may I present to you a couple of teas from the patron saint of the Femmes of DeSoto, she who is our captain. We have fought many an internet battle defending our Voyager love, and I'm so happy you have taken it to the pod. I made this shirt with the idea from another FOD, Dana Smith, to sell and give the scarves back to our community, and even though Facebook is garbage, our little corner is something really special. I've also included a set of Valentine cards. Don't worry, I know you will be rightfully embarrassed to give them to anyone. Anyway, I have never missed a Toronto live show, and I can't wait till you can come back one day. Sincerely, longtime viewer, Max Fun supporter, first time caller, friend of DeSoto, daughter of the Fifth House, wielder of the flames <laughs> of Anor, live long and prosper, Julie M. Wow. And we each got some uh, some T-shirts. Oh, wow. It's a Janeway shirt. That's great. I gotta say, uh, our inability to play Toronto was a pretty big factor in our deciding not to tour this year yeah why even try to tour if you can't do toronto it doesn't feel right if you don't get to go to to toronto Uh, i'm going to show you a couple of these uh these valentines look at these this seems like something we should do for valentine's day on podshop.biz look at these we should see if Julie would be interested in uh, in uh, sharing these designs. I feel like the friends of DeSoto would love to send these out. You know what? Let's get in touch with Julie about putting these in the store for Valentine's Day. I think they'd be amazing. Indeed. Thank you, Julie. Um, okay, Adam. This next package is from Ramon LP4 in uh, in Houston, Texas. 
Here's the letter. Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. I picked up this Tom Paris CD from the TGG Voyager adjacent pod, the Delta Flyers. Looks like it's something Robert Duncan McNeil did on a lark back in the day. And not an official release, but I thought you'd like to add it to your Trek Stars Sings collection. <laughs> Thanks for the pod and being all twitchy on Fridays, Ramon LP4. Wow. Thanks, Ramon LP4. This is maybe the most 90s CD design I've ever seen. Robert Duncan McNeil. Wow. Uh, B-Dunks. It's a weird, like, high angle of him, I think, and he's holding, like, a gray alien mask. I don't believe this. Yeah. This seems impossible. It says, for demonstration purposes only, any duplication, resale, broadcast, webcast, or public reproduction is strictly prohibited. Yeah, it's the sort of CD you want to use to, like, demonstrate the abilities of your hi-fi system. Yeah, like, right. Um... Next package from Nicole B. Uh, Death Valley proof. Proof is in the oh look at in that the card. Dear Ben and Adam, Star Trek, especially TNG, has always been my happy place. I grew up watching it every week with my dad and my brother, so it's very nostalgic for me. When I discovered your pod back in 2017, I knew immediately that it was what I needed in my life. You guys and your jokes have gotten me through some bad times at work. And some bad times in life, including a pandemic and all seven seasons of DS9. Only kind of joking. (laughs) You have a small but loyal following in the National Park Service. As a token of our appreciation for the quality pod and entertainment, and closed are a couple of NPS challenge coins, I also threw in two shot glasses from my park. I'm hoping you received these before the next Morn Hammered episode so Adam can't cheat on Power Hour anymore. <laughs> How dare you? Sick burn on Adam. Uh, I love you guys and everything you've done to bring the FODs together based on our shared love of all Star Trek everywhere. And if you ever find yourself on Tatooine, look me up. I'll give you the Star Wars tour. Your NPS FOD pod promoter, Ranger Nicole. Wow. Ranger Nicole? So, uh, we got some challenge coins here. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's what you want. Really lovely. So that's what those look like. And then, uh, we each get a shot glass also. And, uh, this way we'll be able to keep pace next time we're, next time we're shooting shots of beer, Adam. Death Valley National Park shot glass. Okay, Adam, this one's from Chuck M. in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Uh, Dear Adam and Ben, I hope you like my decently sized package. Not too big, not too small for what's inside. My wife helped with that joke. As a friend of DeSoto, I look forward to seeing you fulfill your destiny to play Klingons, getting shot out of an airlock, and or voicing Klingons in a video game. Do you see the disc and the cone? Concentrate. Make the disc (laughs) go into the cone. You know what's great about Suck Disc Game is that, like, you know there's no way in hell that that would have worked to (laughs) infiltrate the Klingons. (laughs) They would have tore that thing off of their loaf and thrown it in the trash so fast. Yeah. We fans know that this enterprise of yours won't condemn you to being in the pocket of Big Rod any more than Ashley Judd is. But before any of this can happen, wouldn't it be interesting to see what you guys would look like as Klingons? Well, worry no more, because I have taken the liberty of giving you the full loaf treatment. I hope you like the shirts and are not too embarrassed to own them. 
If you are, I won't be offended in the slightest if they were dumped onto Bill Tilly. He might be offended, but I won't. Thanks for all you do. Keep up the great work. Check M. Of Geek Life Crisis. Whoa. Man. The Geek Life Crisis show, they predate the view screen as an appreciator of our work. <laughs> they do. Yeah, and I'm going to unveil this shirt right now. This is this is pretty funny. Oh, no. You were photoshopped onto General Chang from uh, Undiscovered yeah, Country. I got the much better treatment. <laughs> I'm just you on to... You look like Lursa Orbitor. Yeah. For, for sure. No boob window for me. Uh, but uh, w- there's two of these t-shirts. One for you, one for me. <laughs> that is so great. Amazing. Wow. Well, thank you to everyone that sent something in. We just really, really appreciate it. And uh, we feel like we've wasted so much of these people's time. Let's get to the show, Adam. What do you say? Can't believe it. It's the longest Marin ever. <laughs> Uh, If you've been around this long, you probably deserve Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 17, Dreadnought. Revert course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) Are you a Dread-do or a Dreadnought, would you say? (laughs) Mm. I don't know. Dread-do or Dread-do-not, there is no (laughs) Dread-try. Wow. We're uh, we're off to a great start on today's episode. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm like the uh, the track athlete that just fell out of the block. <laughs> just fell right over. Yeah, just face-planted, and when you look up, Usain Bolt is crossing the finish line. <laughs> You've got gravel stuck to your forehead. Uh, we start with a prenatal checkup here today on the show. If you were Wildman, wouldn't mm-hmm. you see any other doctor besides Doc Holliday at this point? After last time? I mean, he's the doctor, though. He's the doctor. I think you could make yourself <laughs> a pretty passable doctor in the holodeck, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. You, you, uh, you, Leah Brahms yourself a doctor? I'm guilty of a terrible crime, doctor. They're talking about baby names, and I had totally forgotten about the Doc Holiday needs a name storyline. They really dropped that and just didn't yeah. come back to it for a long time. Cass is like, what are you talking about? Is this a storyline of yours? Yeah. Doc Holliday's like, yeah, it's literally all I've thought about. He's like, listen, if you want to know how much consideration I've given this, I would never have called it the Chevy Nova. I would have seen that coming from a mile away that when they tried to put it on the market in Spanish-speaking countries, they'd be <laughs> laughed at, ridiculed. <laughs> I'm not going to make that same mistake. A uh, awful bit of trivia gets dropped in this scene, Ben. Yeah. Poor Wildman's husband, the father of her child. My husband's name is Gress Krendrick. Yeah, I've got a question. In Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 17, Dreadnought, (laughs) we learn that Wildman's baby's father is Katarian. Now... The only instance of Katarians on Star Trek previous to this was the episode involving the suck disc. So are we just supposed to get that that there are good Katarians out there who are who are knocking up our human starfleets and having and having healthy positive relationships with them? Yeah. Because the suck the suck disc lady taught me all I needed to know about Katarians. Yeah. People put a copy of the suck disc video up on TikTok and then say, How do you reform this? 
Yeah, so I guess it wasn't so much of a question as much as it was a comment. Get a light. So, uh, the prenatal checkups have not gone well, typically, and this one really devolves when, uh, when the doc starts shitting on all of her name ideas and then getting touchy with Cass about the fact that Cass is floating non-human names to Ensign Wildman, but not to him. Yeah, Cass offers the name Benaren as an idea. It seems like it would make a good nickname for you, like... Like, sober Ben is Ben. Hardy Ben is Benerin. Yeah. The tough thing is that most people can't tell the difference between sober Ben and, and party Ben. <laughs> I don't really party that hard. Party Ben is super chill. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what I noticed in the pool cabana. <laughs> Benerin can party. I uh, I had very little part in the, the heights that that party reached. You know, I was in the bathroom when people started dumping ice in their shorts. I still don't know why that happened. <laughs> Some people said I was the instigator of that activity, but I don't remember. If if that's true, I wasn't there to witness it, so I can't corroborate that claim. No one can. Anyways, uh, it's a storyline. It's taking it's taking some time, and we're and we'll check in with many of the storylines that are unfolding over a long period of time in this episode. But we've got to get to the A story, Adam. There's not much left of whatever it was. The A story's on the bridge. You know that's where it is. Yeah. There's some debris from, like, a gunfight. A small ship was uh, was destroyed, and this thing was made out of tough stuff. It was made out of some alloy, and they're like, holy shit, what could blow a shuttlecraft apart? They should know. <laughs> they know exactly what destroys shuttles yeah. every time, even when they're made out of duritanium. Yeah. I don't like buying pants uh, made out of duritanium, even though... Even though they come with the fun stitching on the inside when mm. you roll up the cuff, they just take too long to break in. Well, I don't like you, that they feel hard. You're just a you're just a shorts and t-shirt and hoodie guy now, so I am. Yeah, real beach bum. You're never going back to a hard uh, material like duritanium for your pants. Everything's no. drawstrings from here on in. <laughs> it's a drawstring lifestyle, and I'm here for it. Yeah. It's the only thing chill about me. <laughs> Tufak is like scanning it and he's like, Captain, there appears to have been no drawstring in this <laughs> shuttlecraft. Yeah, I like how they have to scan for bio. There's no bio in this flotsam. So this is a uh, pretty interesting mystery. They beam some of the debris on board. They get it down in uh, close to the warp core to check it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, they've done like the ballistics on these... Uh, yeah. On these scraps. The weapon signature are Cardassian. You don't like that. I mean, you get you got to think Seska immediately, right? One person comes comes to everyone's mind. But uh, it's not her fault, Adam. It's BLTs. Guilty BLT eyes to theme. So we uh, come back, and it's a, it's a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And, um, but you've seen people show up late to McLaughlin groups very recently on this show and not take the ration of shit that Tom Paris takes in this scene. Chakotay has been up in Paris's ass for several episodes now. What yeah. my theory presupposes is that he's never left. Like, he's taken up a home there. Yeah. I guess the difference, though, is that like when BLT was late to that McLaughlin group a few episodes ago, she walked in, apologized, and was like, getting down to business like before anybody could say anything about the apology 
Right. And Tom Paris does that thing where he like he like huffs up and he's like breathing heavily, like he you know ran the last twenty yards to really sell that he was in a hurry, and his hair is mussed up. Like he doesn't play it smooth the way BLT does. <sighs> Sorry. No, and, and just think about for a second how disheveled you have to look in a crew of hundreds of people that are dressed exactly the same. <laughs> this is the school uniform problem, right? Right. Anyway, we learn a little bit about uh, the thing that destroyed the shuttle. Uh, it was a missile. Yeah. A missile that, that sort of in description sounds a little bit like a 24th century version of the atomic bomb if the original atomic bomb also had its own defensive weaponry. Yeah. It's a, it's a missile with a nickname, and uh, that's never a good sign. It's carrying a metric ton of antimatter and a metric ton of matter. It's got a crazy computer on board that is uh, great at, at uh, defending it. It's basically unstoppable, is what they say. Just like the movie. <laughs> it's a missile the size of the Chrysler building. And it's out of control. <laughs> so the BLT reprogrammed this thing when she was a Maquis. Maquis? Like, like it was a Cardassian weapon. It's a Cardassian weapon. It was sent to kill Maquis, but it. Yeah. Uh, she she managed to to repurpose it, kind of uh, retask it to Maquis ends, and and it was sent out on a Maquis mission. And the last time they saw it was in the Badlands. Like this, this is a storyline that left off right before the beginning of season one episode one don't throw your trash into the badlands is is the message i'm getting here right because it's just going to end up in the dequad and if you do throw it in one of the bear proof bins that they've helpfully placed around the badlands you know right the idea is because blt has been on board this chrysler building before, maybe if she got back on again, she'd be able to reprogram this this thing enough to shut her down. Yeah, it's something that uh, she is volunteering to do. So uh, she so they're they're going to go see if they can, you know, get a read on where it is. And that's one of the things that uh, is going to be hard because it's also good at hiding. Yeah, this thing is great. Do you notice how dark it was in this McLaughlin group? I did notice. Really dial down the lighting in a lot of uh, scenes lately. I mean, there's show. like a there's like a screen that they're all looking at. So maybe that maybe they cut something out at the beginning. Like uh, I have a presentation, Captain. Are they conserving energy in the same way as they're conserving like replicator rations and stuff? Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. At the end of this meeting, Chakotay is on the other side of the ball kicking machine. <laughs> Loads it up uh, with Paris inside and gives a ration of shit to Paris about his tardiness. I expect everyone to show up for meetings on time and properly dressed. Chakotay's already proven himself to be kind of an impotent manager with the whole Euron report thing for, uh, for the gambling. <laughs> right. What does Paris care? What could they possibly do to Paris? This isn't a corrective action. I mean, crucially, this time the captain is standing right there watching, and I I do feel like Paris needs the captain's approval a lot more than he needs Chakotay's, but uh, this is another thing that feels like a storyline that they're setting up for for the long term that uh, that will come yeah. to a head eventually. What what is up with Paris's shitty attitude of late? Yeah, if you're if you're hoping for character satisfaction, 
W slash R slash D Tom Paris. You're not going to find it in this episode. No. So uh, BLT and he head back down to engineering to do a little work on uh, finding the missile. And um, she is feeling really, really guilty about the whole thing because uh, Chakotay kind of covered for her in that meeting. Yeah, it turns out this whole thing is BLT's fault. They didn't send it on a mission. She sent it on a mission. Can you imagine hitting that button to launch the missile without getting authorization to do it? Yeah. You have an incomplete transmission that may or may not say, hold off on the launch, and you just go ahead and launch? This is like Gene Hackman trying to launch without Denzel Washington. You can't do that. You need both keys. You gotta have both keys. You must be really worried about catching this thing. She tells a story about the time that Chicote said to her that it wasn't that he was mad, it was that he was disappointed. And Tom <laughs> Paris is like, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> mad, disappointed, lippins on her stallions. Kind of a lot happening on that Mayquise ship. He, uh, he expresses some admiration for how well she has integrated herself in the Starfleetness of the Voyager. Seems like, uh, seems like she's doing even better than he is in that regard. BLT's like, well, I mean, you could comb your hair and try. Yeah. That's a way to do it. I have loaf and hair that I need to deal with in the morning. <laughs> All you need to do is run a comb through your hair like four or five times and you would look ten times better. What's up? This is an episode that is exclusively focused on BLT because this is a scene that could help us understand what Paris is going through if BLT were curious at all about what Paris is going through. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this scene, it just goes nowhere. They don't have a lot of time to get into this. Yeah, I mean, Paris is kind of spiraling out, right? Yeah, he got in like a fist fight, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't get into this because we got to head up to the, to the bridge where uh, they, uh, they have some readings that may be... This missile. This is one of those scenes where I, I feel like Ensign Kim has gotten this before in previous episodes where every time he makes an observation, the ball kicking machine comes for him. <laughs> Not only is it that Kim is wrong, it's that BLT has specifically programmed this missile in all of these cool ways to make him wrong. Yeah. I think I've got it on long range sensors. No, that's only a sensor echo. And uh, she's just letting him hang out there and say wrong things so that she can then respond with, actually... BLT sewed quarters into the, into the soil <laughs> that have now sprouted ball-kicking machines. Yeah, yeah. That are, that are being reaped right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's within visual range. On screen. What did you think this thing was going to look like? Did not think it was going to look like a Cyan XB that's ahead of me on the highway, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, you know how sometimes, like, I feel like this is more common in, like, the late 90s, but, like, someone would make a limo out of an unusual car. Right, sure. This looks like a limo Cyan XB <laughs> that, that no one should have ever made. <laughs> it really does. And it's like, it's like this was not... What I was picturing when you told me we would be riding in style to the prom. Exhibit sees this on the Pimp My Ride show, and he's like, this episode's not making it to air. This is just not cool enough. Yeah, we're, we're pulling this one. This is the lost episode. 
of Pimp My Ride. Yeah. The Scion limo has locked on to its final target, and uh, it's a populated planet. They scan for life forms. Life forms. God damn it. They find... They don't. They 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 do. They don't do that. They do. No one does that. They scan for life forms, and they find them. The Class M planet with population. At least this place is three weeks away, right? They've got some time to stop this Chrysler building mm-hmm. from ramming itself into this planet. Plenty of time. It's This is an easy episode. Yeah. We're going to be home by lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> the complicating factor is this Jonas guy. Yeah. Jonas keeps on feeding information to Seska through an intermediary. We never see Seska in these scenes. He's always talking to an admin person, and this is so humiliating for Jonas every time. Yeah. I think I misidentified traitor engineering guy in either the last episode we recorded or the one before that as yeah. Uh, Hansen. Yeah. It's very yeah, hard maybe. to tell these shitty marginal white guys apart. Always has been. Yeah. But uh, he all, he doesn't he does seem to have a new contact among the Kazon. He's going through the phone tree. It's always frustrating to do that. Yeah, uh, he's just trying phone numbers with Kazon area codes and exchanges, hoping to get Seska. He just keeps hitting zero, and <laughs> nothing is getting him to anyone who could help him. Is this Kazon guy that he's talking to like Bill reading our DMs on the uh, Greatest Trek Twitter account? He's like, I just want to talk to Ben and Adam. Would you let me? And, he, and Bill is Bill like... Bill is way more helpful to the friends of DeSoto Bill who is, want to talk Bill to us like, than this guy. This sounds like interesting intel, but Ben and Adam will not be fielding your call. I have to terminate. Meanwhile, uh, Janeway has FaceTimed the leader of this planet. This planet called Rakosa 5 and first minister kellen is the guy on the screen he looks like a barnacle ben (laughs) he's got barnacle head he fell out of the top of the loaf tree and hit every branch on the way down i can't believe this guy looks so different and yet exactly the same as every other (laughs) alien of the week we've gotten i think they did a great job with him but i think that one when you cover up the ears that just kind of makes the head look like a blob that is undifferentiable from all other blob heads. Right. Boy, Janeway does a terrible job at the conversational order of operations, right? Yeah. To a stranger, you're seeing a ship with a bad reputation flying next to a missile that's heading for your planet. And the very first thing the captain says isn't, hey, this missile... (laughs) Isn't something that we're in control of and then we fired at you. This missile is carrying a warhead with a significant destructive force. Is this some sort of threat, Captain? Yeah, she she really lets him come to the conclusion like, oh, this is a a really shitty, like Romulan style veiled threat. And why why has the ship of death decided to come to our planet this week? His paranoia is totally justified here. And you feel how much this hurts Janeway. I think yeah. I think they did a, a good job of uh, like this being one of the implications of the bad rep that they have unfairly earned in the D-Quad. I like this as an ongoing concern for them. Yeah. The, the having to, to double the work during first contact every time. These people have heard of you and they don't like you already. Yeah. You're already behind. 
This is why the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles need to hide in the sewer, Adam. They can't just live in the open. People wouldn't understand. That's the best and only reference (laughs) for a moment like this. So they do as much as they can to reassure this guy, we're on it. We're going to try everything we can to, to turn this missile off. Uh, we're just, we just wanted to make sure that you knew, that we knew, that you were scared, and that we were on it. There's nothing evil about that. So they beam BLT over to this thing. LeVar Burton directs this episode, Ben, and uh, the transporter operator gets a, a very lingering shot on the extremely long pinky mail doing the transporting here. Yeah. This sort of stuff always sticks out to me because this is clearly a single take we're moving on kind of kind of vibe because of the way the sleeve catches on the panel. Like, it just, it doesn't look smooth. This entire process is not smooth at all like it should be. What the shot is, is it's of BLT on the pad, and then the camera tilts down to an ECU of the hand sliding up and down on the, on the illuminated sliders on the controls. What's the first rule of this shot, though? It's don't make the, the hand operating the transporter uh, a distraction. Yeah. And it's a distraction in two different ways. It's a distraction in three different ways because it also doesn't get the timing of the light <laughs> effect right. Yeah. Like the hand is down at the bottom before the lights finish their little sequence. And you're like, okay, so the sleeve caught, there's a Coke fingernail, and they didn't <laughs> practice enough to get the timing right. They need a Chief O'Brien on this ship really badly. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. You're LeVar Burton. You're one of the greats. Get another take. Bullshit, man. Yeah, but like we've said, he refused to take the visor off at this point in his (laughs) career, so (laughs) he didn't notice any of that. It was like, do we have it? And the DP was like, yeah, we got it. One choice that LeVar Burton made this episode that I thought was really cool and good was how the interior of the Scion XB was lit. Yeah. It was all lit practically, and it was shot totally on Steadicam. So all the fluorescence and stuff, all the panels that are throwing light in this scene, those are the only lights on this set. So when BLT shows up, you're allowed to move the camera around the scene. This makes a day go extremely fast when you don't have to light and relight uh, your your sequences here. You're just following BLT around as she's getting her job done. It's very efficient. Yeah, you really get to explore the space. And um, the thing that she kind of launches into with the ship, which is talking to her in her own voice, she reprogrammed yeah. it, it to speak in its master's voice. Identify target, Ashalon 5. It is convinced that it is on the same mission that it was always on when it was in the A-Quad. And... It has identified this planet as being its original target because it cannot wrap its mind around the idea that it's nowhere near the the A-Quad. BLT does not get enough shit for this, for reprogramming <laughs> it in her own voice, right? I feel like any other character on the show would get a lot of shit for that. Uh-huh. Yeah, Paris, they would have never stopped stomping his groin. No. Yeah. <laughs> they would have built a new machine. It would have been like a double kick drum style <laughs> ball kicking machine. Yeah. The heavy metal drummer ball kicking machine. She starts kind of playing logic games with it though, right? Yeah, they get into a conversational patter. This is that is very uh 
non-person talking to computer. It's very, very comfortable. It's a like, there's something wrong with you. And it's like, no, there isn't because I did a diagnostic. And it's like, well, did you check to make sure your diagnostics were all in order? It's a computer that kind of understands attitude too. Yeah. And this goes well enough that she is able to convince this thing to shut itself off. But we we get enough time here to get a sense of what a what a tricky motherfucker this computer can be. And yeah. uh, it shuts down. Big victory. Uh, she beams over and she's like, this is great. I don't think enough is made of BLT's voice embodying the antagonist of this episode. Because with the amount of time that you and I spend with our own inner monologues tormenting us... <laughs> The idea that the missile is BLT's voice and it's the bad guy throughout, like, yeah. that's not a part of this story in a way that it could be. Like, like BLT could be going crazy by what happens later on, and it's just a pure engineering problem for her to solve and not a, not a mental torture yeah. that it could be. Do you think that they shied away from steering it in that direction in order to avoid it feeling too much like human BLT, Klingon BLT? Like, like, was that the episode where they, like, spent that round? And then with this episode, it, I mean, it's obviously tempting, but, like, do, do, did, they, did they feel like they couldn't ring the bell again? It makes again? a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean... I love that read, though, because like, that, that'd be fascinating if it was the... If it was the voice second-guessing every choice inside her head. BLT is such an interesting character. There's there's that comp, but there's also the comp that just happened where BLT fixes a robot person. Right. And it ends up trying to kill them. Like, this is, a, this is another version of that, too. There seems to be some derivation of the same stories uh, having to do with BLT here that maybe they're doing their best to uh, to avoid straight ripping off in that way. Yeah. I don't know. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Well, she gets back to uh, the ready room, and she's talking to Chakotay and the captain. She's like, this went fucking great. Like, we're going to be able to strip this thing for parts. There's there's antimatter. There's photon torpedoes. Like, there's tons of stuff o- over here that we could be uh, retrofitting our ship with. There's coffee in that salvage operation. And it may get a little bit Deep Space Nine-y with the Cardassian shit being clamped onto the Federation <laughs> shit, but it's been done. Yeah, we had seven good seasons. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. We brought a, a, a book of documentation written by Chief O'Brien, ghost written by Rom. It's <laughs> great. So... This, uh, this moment of excitement about all of the new shit they're gonna get uh, evaporates really quickly in a way that uh, felt very <laughs> familiar to me. Paris to Janeway. Yes, Lieutenant. The missile just took off. Paris is woken up at his station by this thing going to warp nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jokes. We're not getting a resupply, and uh, the missile was tricking BLT into beaming away. It deceived her the entire time. Yeah, doesn't recognize her commands anymore. She can't just beam over there like she did before. This thing is like AI, but evil AI. It's evil AI. This is some Skynet shit. It's a learning computer. (laughs) They drop two photons on this thing, and it does nothing. 
And yeah. I was like, man, if they can stop this thing and get whatever is controlling the shields, the shields yeah. alone. Yeah, the, the shields alone have a high dollar value for sure. <laughs> and it's weird, like when the missile hails them. Yeah. That's creepy as hell. And it hails them with BLT's voice. This is the moment, Ben, where where BLT should be compromised mentally. Like she should be starting to freak out here. Yeah. What if what if she hadn't told them that she'd done that? And then yeah. in this moment, it's the reveal, <laughs> and she has to be like standing in the corner of the bridge, like. Um. So, when you remember when Chakotay said we sent it on a thing, this is some broccoli in the holodeck style of shame here. Yeah. Like. Like when this is outed. Right. And the missile's paranoid. Missile is paranoid. It's telling Voyager to stand down. It's identified Voyager as a Federation vessel, and it's saying, like, I'm a Maquis missile, and I'm going to kill some Cardassians, and there's nothing you can do and stop me, so you better fuck off. I love BLT going back to the playbook she used in the earlier scene on the bridge where, where she hauls off and kicks Kim in the in the junk. She's like like she gets totally embarrassed by the missile speaking in her voice and she like looks around at the rest of the bridge crew and she's like, I programmed it to do that. That was me. <laughs> this is actually a good thing for me. Yeah. The missile has decided that it must be that she is being coerced by Cardassian forces. She's like the cops in the major crimes unit in uh the Dark Knight, you know. I like how Janeway kind of steps in front of BLT here. Like, I know, Missile, you hailed BLT, but I'm actually the captain. So listen here. Is there any way that we can put you in the driver's seat of a uh, Delta Quadrant today? <laughs> and, and the Missile is like, no fucking way. I don't give a shit about the Delta Quadrant. That's not where I believe that I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to blow up this planet real big. That I'm headed toward. The missile has this frustrating thing that we see all the time in politics, which is somebody that is a thousand percent sure of their worldview, but totally unwilling to consider any information that might undermine that worldview. Yeah. So they're like, we're a Federation vessel, not a Cardassian vessel. We're in the Delta Quadrant. This is a low information missile, Ben. <laughs> it really is. Like, undeniably talented at the art of debate, but actually full of shit when it comes to the facts. Janeway's like, all right, it's time to shoot this thing again. <laughs> she shoots a couple of photons first and then uh, and then a tachyon beam, the idea being that, that she can damage this, this thing into stopping, into allowing BLT to beaming back on, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, except this missile, like so many other targets smart targets anyway when you lock something on with a beam that actually puts you in danger as the beamer right yeah. because it, it leaves you open to something coming back up the beam at you and that's what happens to the voyager here the missile sends something back up the beam the voyager atom is bemused <laughs> that's good <laughs> <laughs> The Voyager has shot its seventh photon torpedo. I don't remember how many we had before, but uh, if we're not going to have a a thing at the bottom showing how close the Voyager is to Federation space, can we at least have like in the lower right hand corner like the ammo readout in a in a shoot 'em up game? How, yeah, like how many like torpedoes the, they have left. The sentry guns and aliens. Yeah, <laughs> Ben, I know this 
This is one of the few things that I remember about this show. 38 torpedoes is what the ship had. So 31 by the end of this. It's so crazy. This is bad. And no one thinks about it. 20% of their torpedoes gone. So uh, Captain Janeway's strategy of taking the FaceTime into her office is a good one. Yeah. When she talks to Kellen after this, she's like, uh, got some bad news. It's on a collision course with a train full of kids on a field trip. Poor Kellen has come to grips with the reality of their circumstance. And uh, as futile as it is, he's like, you know, I have heard in situations where there is no hope of victory, what you want to do is meet the enemy ship a little further away from from its target, kind of a Wolf 359 Mm -hmm. strategy is what I'm going to deploy. So I'm going to send a fleet out there to meet the missile, and uh, hopefully that'll buy us some time. That's the plan. And Janeway is like, I appreciate the ref, but I don't know if you've read the second half of the Wolf 359 (laughs) story, and let's just say the battle does not go well. Yeah. There's the New Testament of that story. <laughs> Admiral Hansen wrote the Old Testament of, uh, of the Book of Wolf 359. You really want to read the New Testament yeah. to get the full picture of things. As penned by Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. And First Minister Kellen has really been burning the loaf at both ends. He's He is tired and punchy and not really open to that critique so he's not gonna wait for blt to solve this problem he's gonna he's gonna work on solving it himself in the transporter room they've replaced the uh the pinky nail transporter operator with ensign kim who blt just gets extremely frustrated with when he can't beam her over yeah and uh I mean, he finally does, but it does take two flushes to send her down <laughs> to the missile, which is a scene that I really love. Yeah, he, he really pranicas her. <laughs> <laughs> I love this because uh, this is something that you make in the edit, right? I'm not sure this was even on the page, but, but you've got the footage. You can just do a shot, reverse shot yeah. for the second flush. And, uh, and back on the dreadnought, Goes BLT. Yeah. It's time to uh, get down to business, and she steps to the first computer, and the screen just shuts off. (laughs) It's a real game of cat and computer with the dreadnought. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, like, she even, like, opens up a panel and tries to pull out some some honey sticks. It was was very fun to see all this, like, Cardassian tech shit reprised for this episode. Yeah, I like that, too. Um, All the screens and stuff. Yeah. She gets a little Keiko lightning out of uh, out of the honey sticks. Yeah, this is like the the Whopper in war games. If the Whopper like could actually fight back <laughs> with electric shocks. Yeah, she finds a panel that uh, the Whopper is not thinking about though, and pulls yeah. that and starts pulling out big pieces of Lexan with uh, computer chip graphics printed on them. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's the sort of stuff that you could bid on in an online auction and and pay less than $100 for. Yeah, absolutely. Or I feel like those are more like you, you're you entered to win one f- just for signing yeah. up to enter the auction. Yeah, her uh, her digging in those computer guts gets interrupted by the Recosian fleet, though. Wolf 359 is now. Yeah. 
This is a great heightening because it kind of dawns on her what a bloodbath it's going to be if she can't get this fucking missile to turn off. And right. it's scary. It's a lot of ships. It's 15 ships or something and they and they are they're no match. Like they're way less sophisticated of military ships than even the Voyager. Yeah, I mean, once you see those dots disappear on that screen full of dots. Yeah. The, the reality of the situation really hits home. Those ships aren't your enemy. They are not Cardassian. Can't you recognize that? I've Like, the Voyager is basically, like, walking around the Delta Quadrant with, a, with like, a Swiss Army knife in its pocket, and everybody they meet is like, wow, we don't, uh, we don't walk around concealed <laughs> carrying like you, so we're uh, a little bit... Uh, uh, unable to to step to this missile in the same way that a warlike species like you and Janeway's always like I mainly use this to open bottles at at barbecues <laughs> in people's backyards I don't the the knife comes out occasionally when an Amazon box comes with a lot of tape on it but it's mostly <laughs> mostly like a toothpick and a bottle opener <laughs> That's the Swiss Army knife that should be available to people. <laughs> the like it's super just super thick thin. and bottle opener. Yeah, <laughs> I I would honestly consider that being my my Swiss Army knife of choice. Listen, everybody knows I'm a super tinker man. I do occasionally use the little miniature scissor, and and I and I get the super tinker with the Phillips head, not the one with the not the one with the corkscrew. Your tinker toothpick bottle opener spy. That's what you are. <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. 
What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that black note now. Are you planning a heist? Gold. She is just desperate to get the uh, the Rikosian fleet to not throw themselves upon this combination Chrysler building Cyan XB limousine. They only fitted one guy for the barnacle loaf. But there's a scene when when Janeway hails the lead the lead fighter pilot and he's like, We're not standing down for anyone. Yeah. We came here to motherfucking do something and we can fucking do it, alright? And he totally porkins himself. Yeah. Five seconds later. Five seconds later he's yelling they came from behind and <laughs> Uh, and they cut back to uh, to the command center on on the on the forest moon, and everybody just you know does one of those takes like, God damn it, we lost another one. Yeah, uh, a half a dozen Rikosians cried out in terror and were immediately <laughs> silenced in this scene. The Rikosian ships finally retreat. They do not want to take any more casualties than they already have. Yeah, like the Voyager is like like. Janeway is ordering them to, like, just throw everything they have at the Dreadnought to try and distract it from killing Rikosians and Everything besides more torpedoes. We've really burned a lot of those today. <laughs> Actually, oh, they do shoot at least one torpedo in that We scene. can afford to launch more shuttlecraft. <laughs> <laughs> just, just shoot shuttlecraft at the missile. Save the torpedoes. Yeah. The Dreadnought starts to scramble... BLT's ca- communications now that yeah. uh, now that there's no upside in listening to what she's saying to the ship, and uh, it also pretty quickly turns off uh, life support, which means she's going to have kind of a ticking clock. At every turn, the stakes get higher. This is the beginning of some sweaty loaf. Yeah, and so she's like, "Okay, let's go back to that thing we were doing at the beginning, the logic games. Like that, maybe that is the solution." If a missile the size of a Chrysler building left the Alpha Quadrant <laughs> at 1,400 hours, going at warp six toward the Badlands. And a caretaker sucked it into the Quadrant. <laughs> at what point does Chakotay's shuttle reach Starbase 80? Yeah. She finds something weird in the computer, though, Adam. 
tax documents. Yeah, she finds that folder. Why are there so many honey sticks in this part of the computer? It's, it's like, very wet. Nothing else in your documents folder is more than a couple of megabytes, and then this tax documents folder is like three or four terabytes. And what <laughs> the fuck could be so big? It's all Excel spreadsheets and stuff, right? Like a couple of PDFs from charitable contributions? Sure. And uh, the Dreadnought's like, no, you do not need to look at that. <laughs> Hypothetical game terminated. We cannot let anyone see what's inside the tax documents folder. <laughs> so it uh, it doubles down on her. She is uh, under the sway of the Cardassians or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, uh, I'm about to die eyes to commercial. This tax documents folder comes up later as a thing she wants to look at. This might be the secret to rebooting the computer. Yeah. But she's running out of air. I mean, sometimes when you're looking at tax documents, an affected airway can kind of make mm-hmm. the numbers more exciting. Right, yeah. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can really uh, get into a pivot table in mm-hmm. a new and exciting way if the airway is compromised. But she's really getting high up on her high horse about the tax documents, much like a druish princess who also <laughs> might lose all of her air. <laughs> Spaceballs, the reference. <laughs> so Janeway has to place that uncomfortable call of like, hey, um, so your planet is about to get nuked and I don't really think there's much we can do about it. Like our... Our girl is still over there, and maybe she'll come through, but uh, I just want you to know that uh, we're kind of out of ideas. Yeah, as a gesture of goodwill, I mean, I could destroy the ship. Do you really think that would work? And he's like, I mean, I knew that you were called the ship of death, but I didn't really think that it was like as total a definition as that. I didn't think it would would involve your death, specifically. Oh, well, your death was a problem that happened because of time travel and also interdimensional travel. But this would just be... Yeah. This would just be the Voyager's death. Your death, also very painful. Yeah. Clearly. (laughs) She's got a friend in him, but he about to die. And so she starts to put plans in place for a self-destruct. And I think this may be... Is this the first time we've seen Voyager self-destruct as a thing on the table? I mean, it's Star Trek law. You need to set auto-destruct within the first two seasons of any Star Trek series. Yeah. They had to do it at some point before the end of season two, and here we are. (laughs) I love auto-destruct scenes. Love them every time. They're fucking great. And there's a great like moment in the bridge where she kind of goes into the corner where Chakotay and Tuvok are, and she's like, hey, guys. I'm about to blow up the ship. Make sure nobody panics. Let's be super chill and get everybody to the escape pods. I'm going to do it, okay? Look, when they did this on the D, it was a bunch of fucking kids in arms dropping teddy bears all over the place. We need this one tight and orderly. No bears on the ground. Picard is a fucking amateur when it comes (laughs) to dropping the self-destruct hammer. He made it look like a moral crime. (laughs) My moral crime comes later in this season. Right now, I'm all about preventing the deaths of two million Rakosians or whatever the people are on that planet down there. All right, so just get everybody off the bridge. Just be super chill. 
I like that this is uh, auto distract ASMR. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Tuvok, I'm about to blow up the ship. I'm going to blow up our fucking warp core. Just all over this fucking Scion XP. Never going to see it coming. Okay, but first I'm going to crumple up my orders from Starfleet because they're just they're just printed out on a piece of paper and we're in the Delta Quadrant. And I've been meaning to do this, but just I want to... Hey, just, Tuvok. Tuvok, lean into this mic. I'm going to rub those ears into the mic. (laughs) (laughs) You you feel how smooth this panel is? You hear that? You hear that squeak? That's nice. BLT is tearing the insides of the dreadnought apart. She's got like... Copper cables pulled out everywhere. She's yeah. she's uh, like she's hot wiring this <laughs> this scion for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it is uh, it's not going well. She you know she's she is she's trying everything, but eventually uh, she gets a door to open. Yes, and uh, it's a door to a Jeffrey's tube. This is a scion XB with different compartments. This felt so much like the end of 2001 for me. I thought for sure we were going to hear BLT's voice sing Daisy until it died. <laughs> this felt like the setup right on down to like what she's looking at. She's looking at a panel with these these twinkly lights from above. Yeah. It felt very uh, Kubrickian. It did. It was it was a real uh, War Games Kubrick mashup and Yeah. I thought at least we would get BLT voice going like I just wanted to advance the Mekwee's cause. <laughs> yeah, I mean, half of the fun of, of destroying a computer full of tax documents is like hearing the voice <laughs> slow down into a monstrous, rubby, yeah. scary vocal situation. Yeah. Why didn't they do that? I think that would have been too direct a reference to 2001, I think is why. So she is in that Jeffrey's tube, phasering open a compartment. It's going to take a while for her to cut through. Janeway kicks everybody off the bridge, but Tuvok persuades her to let him stay just in case he uh, she needs him. And uh, and it's it's really like a a game of chicken, like who's going to win, the, the phaser beam into the warp core uh, of... <laughs> The dreadnought, or is it going to have to be the warp core of uh, Voyager that goes off? This is the second time where the crew of the Voyager has just been ready to die, and and like willing and excited to die, even yeah. because you remember that scene in Sandrine's where everyone was like, "All right, this is it. Let's just sit down and hold each other's hands." <laughs> <laughs> if I'm Janeway, I would be concerned. About my crew's willingness to mail it in at this point. I mean, she's tested them, right? She's like, they are willing to let me go down with the ship. They're willing to engage in a, in a game of core breach chicken. We can do this. Nothing gets me like a subordinate thanking a captain for the opportunity to die in a scene like this. Yeah. Because... Uh, when Janeway orders Kim off the bridge and Paris too, like Paris has that moment, like disheveled Paris can't find a comb, but he finds it in his heart 
to thank Janeway for the opportunity. And Tuvok, in his own right, is like, I am not going to be a refugee on a planet <laughs> living with Neelix. I would rather be atomized in orbit. We get that fun beam out, right? The the dreadnought explodes. Yeah. We find out that uh, BLT has materialized, and uh, then the EMH beamed her right over into Six Bay. She totally forgot that he was there. Like a pizza left on the porch. <laughs> uh, the, the EMH just takes it. Yeah. Uh, right on into his own home. Which is why the EMH still occasionally gets weird tweets like, I think you did a bad thing. Yeah. Well, the thing about that is uh, BLT would have gone bad in the transporter room. Right. Yeah. Had she not been directly beamed to Six Bay. You saw the pepperoni on her face when we cut down to Six Bay. That was getting ready to turn. I mean, this is like um, editing for comedy, right? This is a thing that people may or may not be familiar with based on our show. <laughs> but I think I think these three credits on this show have power. And where they come in, especially, you yeah. can punctuate a show well or poorly based on, on where they come in. And when Janeway cancels auto-destruct and orders the escape pods brought back, we basically cut to those three credits and... There is no breath between those two moments. Yeah. It's breathless, Adam. It's 11 pounds of episode in a 10-pound bag. Ben, did you like the episode? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I really did. I thought, I think you have some interesting uh, points about the you know, voice in your head thing being an opportunity perhaps missed for BLT's Mm -hmm. character. But I think this is a really interesting episode. It's such a a unique Star Trek problem. Yeah. And, you know, taking inspiration from things like War Games and 2001, but making a unique and super Star Trek-y episode out of it is a great idea and it's really well, well well written for voyager in particular and i don't know what studio head is impervious to a pitch that just goes like 2001 war games unstoppable yeah that's the pitch it's a fun episode to me yeah um, did you like it i have a real soft spot in my heart for unstoppable i think that movie is so much fun that's a great movie I think all TV series should have an unstoppable episode. (laughs) And I loved experiencing the Voyager version of that. I think there's something unusual about the track order of this season, though. And I'm wondering if by the time we get to to the end of season two, we might not have some thoughts about that. Mm. This feels out of place in a season. It feels too close to the other BLT episodes that we've gotten recently. And uh, it is kind of a bottle episode here. Unless, I mean, the uh, the secret mole on the crew notwithstanding. Yeah. I like the episode a lot on the whole. But I don't know. I think you, I think you need to traumatize BLT more by her own voice. 
I just don't understand why you don't do that here. Especially with all the work. Like, Roxanne Dawson put in a ton of work, like playing double duty in this episode. Yeah. Pay it off. Pay off the work. Do you think she gets paid twice to play Dreadnought and BLT? Is this clumping? I don't do know. Think? Yeah, is she clumping? Does this count? Is that what's going on? I'm not sure. I, I did really love being back inside something Cardassian. That was fun. Yeah. The, the use of the sounds and stuff took me back to yeah. Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to like this episode for sure. And a lot of unusual uh, paths not taken, Yeah, I would say. Well, Adam, do you want to see if there are any paths not taken in our Priority One inbox? We always take this path right into P1s. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. Ooh. The message goes like this. Cousin Bo, unlike the future man who wandered up to warn you of your demise at that McDonald's, that time when we were kids, (laughs) I'm sending this from the past. (laughs) On your birthday in 2021. No dire warnings here. Everything is great. What a time to be alive. Here's the note on this one. This reads like a personal message. It does. But it pays like a promotional message because the person sending it wanted to support the show at the promotional P1 level. Wow. Is there a call to action? Bo should be allowed to have more birthdays as the call to action. So double up those birthdays, Bo. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would actually be great for us. Yeah. Every time Bo has a birthday, we get some money. Bo's cousin, though, does not leave their own name. Wow. I hope Bo knows what cousin this is. Hopefully Bo knows this cousin. (laughs) Uh, Well, happy birthday, cousin Bo. Uh, Sounds like you've got at least one awesome FOD cousin. Uh, Adam, our next priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Colin, and it's to Adam. Goes like this. In Deep Space Nine Season 3, Episode 15, Destiny. Glor- this is a fucking convention question, isn't it? <laughs> Galora explains to Chief Miles O'Brien that Cardassians view antagonism as flirting. That makes Captain Jellicoe's treatment of the Cardassians in the ready room much more interesting. <laughs> Was he flirting with them? We know he is an expert on the Cardis. Something to ponder. I love this theory, Colin. You know, uh, I, would I don't too, want to tell Colin to get a life at all. I, I would like it too, except for Colin only addressed it to you. And I'm like, what the fuck, Colin? Do you think I don't enjoy theories? You think I'm yeah. just here to fucking take up space? You, you only address yeah. your P1 to Adam? What the fuck, Colin? Famous theory hater Benjamin R. Harrison. I think uh, Colin Colin stands Adam on the Greatest Generation. I, I take great umbrage with this. I get it. I get it. Was he flirting with them? Is the question. I will answer that question. No, he was not. I'm mad that you tried to answer it. I don't think Jellico has a lot of self awareness <laughs> in in those episodes. Mm. So, 
I mean, as much as I love a, uh, a Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Ronnie Cox, one of the great non-porn names in all of Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was flirting. And uh, I'd love to know Ben's thoughts on the issue, but you didn't ask. So. Yeah, I'm not going to share them. I'm, I really feel like Riker being asked to set up a four-shift rotation right now. Like, yeah. that's, that's how cheesed I feel. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to stay silent on this matter. Ben, our final priority one message of the episode is from Victoria. It is to Sean. The message goes like this. Happy birthday to my favorite person. Thank you for introducing me to Star Trek, even Enterprise. Wow. Loving you is my prime directive. Wow. The requested date on this, Ben, is April 19th, 2020. (laughs) Now, what day is it today? I think we could go behind the pot a little bit. We are recording this on August the 24th. 2021. Yeah. I mean, you didn't buy this in 2021. Okay, there's a note from the network here. The note from the network says this was purchased on March 23rd, 2021. That 2020 date must be a typo. Wow. All right. So it's not it's not quite as bad of a look for us yeah. as it could have been, but it's still a pretty bad look. We're bad at this. We're getting We're through the these best as we fa- can. We 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 have special dispensation to read up to three P ones per episode if one of them is a pri- is a. We need promotional. to talk less about us and more about Sean here. Sean Sean is having a very belated birthday. Yeah, Sean from Victoria here. Sean went through months and months thinking Victoria totally blew it on his birthday. Who suffered more though? I might argue that Victoria did. Victoria's drumming their fingers wondering when this P1's gonna drop Yeah. and eventually it does how many months later? Terrible. Like five months later. I can't do any math. Victoria you did great. You did everything you could. Yeah. Sean. Happy hey, birthday Sean. Sean. Everyone wishes you a happy birthday. No one doesn't do that. Yeah. If there's anybody out there that doesn't wish uh, Sean a happy birthday, you know where the door is. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> if you'd like to leave a Priority One message on the program, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Yeah, look, they might be late, but they're getting done. They're getting, they're getting done, done as fast as we can do them, all right? They're getting done as well and as fast. I think we're doing a great job. Hey, Adam. <laughs> What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I mean, whoever designed this missile, <laughs> what are the things that we know that are Cardassian? We've seen the Cardassian ships. We have an understanding of what those look like. Yeah. We know what Cardassian stations look like. Almost look like a totally different designer with the, with the, the spikes. Yeah. The pylons. The pylons and whatnot. I just, uh, this Chrysler building missile, I think, I think this suffers from a lack of imagination, a, a, perhaps even a drunken imagination. Wow. The thing about the atom bomb <laughs> is that, it, is that like the, the OG one is that it looked like a cartoon bomb. <laughs> it really did. I kind of wanted something more cartoonish here, like something threatening. Yeah. But this thing looks like an airport tram. Really I did does. not like it. It's so like my, if an airport tram 
and like Ben Shapiro and the Chrysler building in a Zion XB stretched limousine. Like if there were like a family crest <laughs> to this missile, yeah. those would be the four quadrants, right? It's, it's got a Zion XB rampant. Yeah. It's it's a main character of this episode, and I think I'm just going to make the Shimoda the missile. Wow. It just kind of looks out of place. It's not working for me. The missile's my Shimoda. What about you, Ben? The character that gets the least to do in this episode, Adam, is Neelix. Barely in it. Is he in it at all? He is in the McLaughlin group that Tom Paris shows up to late, and we get one tight shot of Neelix of Neelix reacts when Tom Paris shows up late. And I think Ethan Phillips made great choices about how much Neelix would enjoy Tom Paris fucking up at work in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, guess whose morale Neelix does not care about? <laughs> <laughs> Tom he really, Paris. He really, like, does a good job of the subtle, oh, this is so tasty. <laughs> Yeah, that is a that's a piquant moment. Yeah, so, uh, so Neelix. Neelix is my Shimoda for this episode. Hey, Ethan Phillips, uh, good week at the office that week. Getting him to make up for a single day. <laughs> That'll do. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Well, uh, you know what else we'll do, Adam, is a roll of the dice at the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. I'm going to head over there to gach.biz right now. Gach.biz slash game. And uh, while you're doing that, I will read the description of season two, episode 18, Death Wish. Oh, I like this title already. A rebel Q escapes from incarceration and demands asylum on Voyager so he can commit suicide. You name an episode Death Wish. <laughs> you better be ready to stir Charles Bronson. John Delancey in the role of Charles Bronson. <laughs> You're required to learn as you play. Roll. A runabout is on square 20. Just a single square ahead, his eyes uncovered. A few squares after that is a banger. Hold that bone, Chuck. All right, Ben, I've rolled a four. You know what that means. We hit the banger again? We can't get past this fucking banger. We hit the banger again. We're back on square 19. God damn it! (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Why? (laughs) We're never going to get out of this room. We're stuck! (laughs) God fucking damn it. Adam, you roll ones all the... We could have had a perfectly fun episode doing... This is Tamarian uh, metaphors. This is like this is like me at the craps table uh, with Danny and Ben Fritz at Star Trek Las Vegas. This is me just getting my shit kicked in God over and over again. Fucking damn it! Ugh. Yeah, back to square nineteen, regular old episode. That's the good news. The bad news: we're never leaving the second row of the game of buttholes. <laughs> I would be fine with that if we were oscillating between squares eleven and twelve. Right. And- yeah, landing it's just on Coco Nonos and Chill Hangs. There's yeah. a Coco Nono and a Quark's Bar on the second row, and we haven't hit either of them. And we're now yeah. fucking back on night fucking teen. I blame Philippe Sobriero, Craig Anderson, and Andrew Wang Hoyer for this. 
They made this fucking game. I feel like an asshole right now. I mean, we invented the game. Yeah. They just made it look good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Wow. Uh, a a fun regular episode for the Chuck Bronson <laughs> ep to come. Uh, just replete with Death Wish drops. I'm going to predict. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. We should just watch Death Wish. Yeah. You know what would blow some fucking minds? Is if instead of the Voyager episode, Death Wish, <laughs> we did an episode of Greatest Generation about the Charles Bronson movie, Death Wish. Mm-hmm. How many people would leave the show? Oh, I'd, I'd say it would be in the 90 percentile kind of range. Let's fucking do it, man. <laughs> Let's put out the two-hour super episode where we do the Voyager episode, Death Wish. And then after the credits roll, <laughs> it's a special Greatest Generation After Dark. Uh huh. Death Wish, the Chuck Bronson movie. And then after the credits roll on that, we do Death Wish, the extremely regrettable Bruce Willis movie. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, look, if it gets the Chuck Bronson Death Wish done, I'm in. I'm in for the whole thing. Wow. Well, we'll have to talk about that after we hang up the mics today, Adam. See what we're up for next week. Uh, But in the meantime, people that enjoy the program can uh, support us in a bunch of ways. We'd really appreciate a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That's a great way to get the word out about the show. Another great way is just uh, recommend it to a friend or a colleague or a loved one or... Subscribe to it on your grandma's phone. She's not going to notice. Stuff like that really makes a big difference because if you can get a new subscriber to Greatest Gen and the Greatest Gen family of products, think of how many downloads that is. We've done like about 500 episodes of Greatest Gen Yeah. between Greatest Generation and Greatest Discovery. So they, they might download two or even three episodes before they're like, ugh, fuck this. I know. It really moves the needle for us, and it helps a lot. It does. Um, this show is brought to you by the friends of DeSoto who go to MaximumFun.org slash join and set up a monthly membership. We hugely, hugely appreciate that support as well. And uh, we also appreciate the hard work of the card daddy, Bill Tilly, who runs the Greatest Trek social media accounts at Greatest Trek yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, he also moderates the chat when we do live streams on Twitch. That's right. You can also meet a friend of DeSoto uh, over on the Discord. That's DrunkShimoda.com. Yeah. That's a place. That's a place where you and I have been known to do Q&As just randomly. Yeah. I was uh, wasting time the other day when I should have been editing, and I went in there and and fucked around for like 45 minutes, and uh, I had a great time. I read what you wrote about me. Fuck you, man. I don't even remember. Fuck you. I was drunk. I know. That's, I think that's the best way to do a Q&A. I did my Q&A over on the Discord drunk also. Nice. Um, we also, uh, there's also a, uh, a Wikia. If you go to greatestgen.wikia.com, you can learn about all of the uh, inside jokes and stuff from the program. Uh, and also, I would recommend you learn how to cook over at uh, YouTube's channel. Look, look at what you're eating. Starring Adam Ragusea. Look at that. Ew. Gross. I mean, it's fine. 
It's fine. Is but it? Is it? Go over to. Are you satisfied Adam, with it? Go to Adam Ragusia's YouTube page. Maybe, maybe see how the other half lives. Step your game up see a little bit. See how the Ragusias of the world cook their food. This guy is like, like uh, precipitating salt crystals out of vodka and shit. And he's fucking ripped and good looking. Like it's not just that he has a a hyper popular YouTube yeah. channel. Like I hate Adam Ragusea. <laughs> <laughs> but he made the music for this show, so we can't hate him that much. I know. And uh, it's jealousy. It's jealousy again. Yeah, the the green eyed Adam of jealousy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we also got to appreciate Dark Materia, who made the Picard song that you're listening to right now. And uh, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of the Greatest Generation Voyager that is like maybe hornier for the captain than it has ever been before. Can you do that as Bronson? Do you have a Bronson? That is maybe. Honier for the captain than it's ever been before. I'm super horny. I want to escape from this horny prison. <laughs> Digging in those pipes. A deeper exploration of the Q cosmology than you ever got in TNG. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.